0: to America's Web Radio on the America's Broadcast Network.com. Thank you for listening. Good morning and welcome to America's Web Radio and David's Pick, and most of you know why it's called David's Pick. Because I get to pick who I have on and um uh, Today, we, I guess I could literally say, Michael, I have a neighbor on. Uh, we both, you, you live in Johns Creek as well, right? I do. Okay, so uh, we both live in Johns Creek, but uh, I have to salute Michael as I was a grunt and Michael was an officer in the military. And uh, Michael is also, and this is very important, folks. Michael is the president of the Johns Creek Veterans Association, and uh, it meets every Wednesday night, or every... Fourth Wednesday. Fourth Wednesday, I'm sorry, uh, in Johns Creek, and we're going to talk about that, but we're also going to talk about the wall, the healing wall, and... uh, how important that is and for you folks that served and are you folks that have been to Washington and gone to the veterans or the Vietnam veterans wall and looked up names you know how touching it is and and this is uh you know I I I, Would you say in part, Michael, that
1: this is closure
0: for a lot of folks?
1: Yeah, it absolutely is, and I have a couple of stories I can share with you. We can get into that. uh, When we brought the wall to Johns Creek in 2017, uh, you only get it for three and a half days, and you have to keep it open 24 hours a day. So in that time period, we had over 8,500 people come to visit the actual wall when it was up and displayed. Uh, We exposed over 10,000 because the entourage bringing in the wall went through several of the local schools, high schools, grammar schools, middle schools, and uh, just in the Johns Creek High School area itself is 3,000 students. So, you know, that pushes the numbers. Well over 10,000 people exposed to the wall that heals. One quick story there was uh, a lady there with her son, and her son was kneeling down touching the wall of Mr. Roger Wise. (laughs) I With Steve remember he was walking Jim by Weber. he said mr wise could you wait just a minute i want to introduce you to my Web son the radio and the classic car and a few show but our young man stands up, up and as he turns around he's got out, tears and, running uh, down his cheek and uh, everybody he said should mr wise i want to thank you by now. i met getting getting my daddy up, getting today do you have that cup of coffee and looked at the lady and she said that when my husband deployed to vietnam i was 3 months
0: pregnant and that's exciting to know that his father came home in a, in a, we're uh,
1: forced to deal with, with all over the country, I so guess, all over the uh, world. He's here to meet his, dad. So well. to meet his so dad for the first we've time. We've got to uh, thank him so much, uh, Steve Renault and Jim There's just a, a dozen stories I can relate to you. That, that was water out, out of here. I'm telling you. There were two guys that came
0: Alabama at a car dealership that were in the same platoon Vietnam in the late '60s. Man.
1: One lives in Milton, one lives we in Johns Creek. To the man. They and met James for the first time Dunst, uh, since they left Vietnam our, our, in March uh, of 2017 when they both James came to visit the, the wall because they both said actually, they really didn't have the cars cars wherewithal or any the, shape,
0: form, or fashion. They just didn't want to go, age, go to the wall in AC, uh,
1: period. But then when this one was in James Johns Creek and it was answer, close, they said, well, I've got to go see it, and they did. So that's the kind of healing that happens out there. That classic car. We're also going to talk about...
0: Getting that car you know, ready to uh, and again, transport. I, I've said it uh, too many about, times, probably. And, uh, and, then we'll just talk in general, and if you have something you want like to ask James, will uh, know if I can get one of the laptops going. It is just to be uh, follow us on Facebook and, and Facebook that Live and uh, tap in that a comment. And, and being a part we'll go from there. largest the we've got a world new program coming out very shortly. It's going to be called. Once you join, and, uh, and, and we'll be you, publishing newsletters. You and letters letters and, and uh, you're a patron, and honoring me by means accepting the fact that uh, uh, you're helping us stay on the air, most of us that uh, are like interested I did. in the different shows, we don't and consider us it cost uh, all on five dollars a month to be a patron. And and I we're think not, that's we're not, not on the same level. I'm not real sure. Let
1: me let me dispel this. They tell me to do here. When you go back and you look at the military services situation. There's three different levels of participation. You got the combat groups, you got combat support, and you got combat service support. You put on the same uniform that the other guys do. You raised your hand, you took the same oath, you you, you signed the same blank check that said, I love this country, I love my family, I love my friends and neighbors. I love you so much, I'm willing to go do what my country needs me to do as a warrior. And I do that saying I'm willing to risk my life. I'm willing to give my life so that the freedoms we have here in America never go away. Just because you took off the uniform doesn't mean that you stop caring about your brothers and sisters that do put on the uniform. Um, it's a, you're right. There's a camaraderie. There's a friendship. There's a relationship that you develop that never goes away. You know, once a vet, always a vet. You know, I remember, I'm a mustanger, okay? I started out as an enlisted man, straight out of college. I volunteered in 73. They sent me to Germany. When I got to Germany, my company commander said, hey, college boy, um, you hit just right, because we're selecting people for OCS. You want to go to OCS? I said, sure, why not? Uh, I got selected, went to OCS, got commissions as a second lieutenant, retired as a lieutenant colonel. But there's relationships you develop all through that that are just, you know, they're there forever. You know, um, it's Im- it's important that, that people realize that. And then as we go forward, we have to do the things we can to help our brothers and sisters transition out of the military, help them find jobs, help them to get their feet back on the ground so they're solid citizens again. Well, you know, the one of the reasons that
0: I really support any of the Vietnam veterans was, is the reason of the way they were treated coming back from Vietnam or even coming back from any kind of active duty during that era. It was uh, you know when you hit it on the head a minute ago. The most a man or a woman can do is wear the uniform of their country and be proud to wear it and uh you know when you're ordered not to wear it because oh well it might cause a problem going through an airport or it might it might cause you a problem or something like that that's when as a nation we need to put our foot down and uh, not let that happen in any airport or train station or any place else like it did there in vietnam
1: i remember uh, in my basic training uh, first formation we ever had, drill sergeant puts us out there, and we're all brand-new shave-head privates, you know. He said, all right, I want everybody in this group to say the word I. And we would all we responded, I. And then he looked at us and said, and I don't ever want to hear that again. He said, look to your left and look to your right. That's your new family. You may be in a situation sometime in the near future where your life depends on them doing their job as well as they can whether they're a trucker bringing you supplies from the rear or whether it's your company commander giving you an order to go take that hill that's your new family and that stays with you forever like i said just because you take off the uniform that relationship doesn't go away and we need to build on those relationships because i think it's it's a strong part of our of our nation of veterans that are out there
0: you know uh, in talking to uh, general Dix and uh, uh last week we had uh donnie cochran on uh with the blue angels and uh many of the people uh like I said donna row and and uh we've mentioned the the fact of and I, I guess this is true in i know they came in after world war ii some of the sayings but one of the biggest out of vietnam that i know of was i got your six i got your back yeah. and uh People understand that, uh, you know, just like just like your commander saying, uh, "No more I." Well, mm-hmm. it's uh, you're there to you are there to cover your buddy's back, cover, and you want that same buddy to cover your back. Absolutely, you know. And the, and the sayings that came from it, "I got your six, <laughs> That uh, I, I just think it's uh, it's fantastic. So. Went in as a private, came out as a lieutenant colonel. colonel and um, here and now I want to thank you for from America's Web Radio for your service and for helping spread the word. And also I want to bring up the fact, too, for uh, Rick White. Uh, colonel rick white retired but he's in charge of the georgia military hall of fame and uh, rick does a fantastic job rick uh, has been giving us leads and giving us folks like yourself to come in and and uh, talk about veterans talk about the military and um uh, if if you haven't been to the Georgia Military Hall of Fame, then you need to plan a trip downtown and, and go to it. It's uh, They have their induction coming up uh, this Saturday Correct. in uh, Columbus, Georgia. And um, <laughs> I had already bought my box of Kleenex on the <laughs> advice of uh, Rick. and um, But unfortunately, I'm not going to be able to go down like I had planned. But... Um, it is. It is. It, from what I understand, a tear-jerking
1: uh, time. And I've been. I've been a couple of times myself, and uh, uh, we have uh, one gentleman from Johns Creek and another gentleman from Roswell that are being inducted in this class. It's normally about fifteen to seventeen people that get selected in three different categories, um, and uh, it's uh, you have. Uh, the, the Medal of Honor winners are automatically inducted, and then you have uh, people recommended for valor in in combat, and in the last category, to me, it, it was the service category, based on what you did after you got out of the military and what have you done to support your fellow veterans. I've been very fortunate that I was nominated. Uh, three years ago, um, unfortunately, I guess I wasn't selected, but that's okay. Just the honor of oh, somebody yeah. saying, you know, we think you should be nominated for this is is amazing success in my book, and uh, I'm excited to try to help find others and get them nominated and, and into those classes because usually it's about 45, because anywhere from 45 to 60 people usually that they, that are nominated in a given year, and they only take only take 15, so it's it's pretty selective and pretty competitive. You know. Uh, This is another one of
0: the station's, I don't want to say mottos or whatever, but I feel very strongly about this, and I I don't, particularly on this show, don't get into politics. However, I do have one feeling that I'm very strong about, is the fact that until you've been there, done that, and walked in the boots then I don't think you should have the right to vote on anything that affects our men and women that are in or coming out of the military. Uh, I'm sorry, but some of our representatives have no clue. And they never will have a clue. I don't care if they're on the Armed Service Committee. They Mm -hmm. still don't have a clue. And, you know, our, our... Men and women that came back from Vietnam that suffered from, P.S. PTSD, uh, uh, PTSD, PTSD. That you know, it's the same as the shell shock. It was the same as you know. We've always had it. Yeah, battle fatigue. Yeah, back battle fatigue. Days, yeah. Exactly. And and it's all because of what these men and women have volunteered to go and do and be a part of, and um, you know. Uh, what's the old saying uh, religion begins in the foxhole yeah, and absolutely uh, you know it's it's just how, how can i vote on something when i've never been there never done that never experienced it right and uh, so anyway back to back to let's talk more about the wall and okay. uh, and john's creek veterans association
1: okay. well well, Johns Creek Veterans Association was formed in 2012. Uh, Lieutenant General Livingston, a Medal of Honor winner, was the Grand Marshal of one of the city's annual parades. Gee, and
0: I don't know about correcting a uh, Colonel. That's okay. But,
1: but not winner, recipient. Recipient. You're absolutely correct. We we misuse that way too much, and people no, don't understand. No, none of us go out there to compete to to win that thing. It's a it's a. It's awarded for meritorious service above and beyond, and uh, it's, it's amazing. We just had a master sergeant was awarded a, uh, a Medal of Honor by uh, President Trump just the other day, um, and his story was amazing to what he did and how many people he rescued and saved coming out of the mountains in Afghanistan. But uh, the, uh, the general called several of the guys together that were part of his a part of our group that was uh, working with him while he was here on his trip and he said guys i love your city but there's something missing there's not a veterans memorial of any kind anywhere in this city fix it and uh, wayne kidd and jerry lewis and some of the early founding members uh, i I get to be considered one of the founding members because i joined in that first year but they really jumped on board and they started and they went to the city with plans to build a memorial park um we had construction engineers we had guys that worked heavy equipment that were veterans and we all got all of them involved uh, put together the plans and gave them to the city and the city looked at it and said it's probably going to take you about six years to complete all of this how can we help and we basically said give us the permits and get out of the way (laughs) cleaned it up um two years and one month later we had a grand opening ceremony for the memorial park it's 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 located on four acres uh, right behind the park place senior center uh, at old alabama road 3125 old alabama road right across from fire station 63 in newtown park it's a little over four acres which makes it the second largest privately funded veterans memorial park in the nation and at first iteration of the, of the park is 10 memorials starting with world war one world war Two, korea and it goes all the way around to afghanistan pow's mia's women that served there's also a huge water fountain and a gazebo that was de- dedicated by the knights of columbus fourth degree from saint bridget's catholic church up in john's creek uh, and now we're going to install the traveling wall so we have a little bit of room left in there and we're going to we're going to the wall in facing out towards old alabama road and we're looking probably we'll we'll know for sure uh, at having an opening ceremony on or about uh, veterans memorial day in 2020 Uh, some of the construction that we'd hope to get completed has been delayed by rains. Still raining and still being delayed, so I don't think we're going to be able to make the November 16th uh, date that we initially wanted to have it done. But this will give us a chance to complete all of the phases, and in March of 2020, it will be completely built. And
0: if the people that are listening, whether they're listening right now or listening uh, two weeks from now on on the podcast or archive or whenever they hear it, how can – it doesn't matter you don't have to be a veteran, you don't have to be
1: anybody other than someone that cares. How can they donate? Well anybody can donate a proud anybody that's proud American can donate to honor our military veterans from that from that era of the Vietnam War. They can go online to JCVets.org uh and they can make a donation there from that, that site. Um, they can also send a check to thirty one twenty five old alabama road johns creek georgia to the johns creek veterans association and uh, we'll get that in the mail but uh, we've raised probably well we're probably still about a hundred thousand dollars or so short of our total goal uh the atlanta vietnam veterans business association jumped on board at the early start and uh, they are doing approximately 125 thousand dollars of work in kind uh, a lot of the grunt work, if you will, the, the landscaping uh, will come later. But you know, digging the trenches, pouring the footers, getting the concrete in. And uh, we've had some some donors who have been very gracious uh, with checks over ten thousand dollars. Miss Marjorie Green, uh, with with Thomas Concrete Company up in Johns Creek area, she wrote a blank check for all the concrete that was needed. And the engineers were looking at this and figuring out this is about 16 15 16 truckloads of cement that we'll use wow. by the time this is finished now this is this is the let me have her name again and Marjorie and green um, she is the uh, president and owner uh, along with her husband of Thomas concrete up in uh, up in the Johns Creek area yeah I see their yeah. trucks on yeah, occasion. all the time yeah. yeah yeah fantastic you know and she just said you know whatever it takes her dad's a Vietnam vet so she said, in honor of my dad, I'm going to do this. So it's, it's amazing. Okay. I'm going to get you. Okay. All right. When you leave
0: here and you get back to your office, will you do me a favor and call her? Sure. And, and tell her that we'd like to interview her on America's Web Radio talking about her contribution to the wall and, and uh, her
1: company. That would be a fantastic thing. I have to tell you, she's a politician. She's running for the 6th District uh, Republican nomination to run against Miss uh, Macbeth.
0: Well, she's running on yeah. the right party anyway. Yeah. So, uh. <laughs> that's, that's fine. I'll be more than happy. I'd love for her to come on and talk politics. Fantastic. And talk- uh, you just tell her whatever make, you want
1: to I'll make you that promise. It'll happen. Uh, if all else fails, why? No. <laughs> we no. do that. No. Honesty and integrity above all else. I know. There you go.
0: But I I, uh, I would appreciate it, and uh, I would love to give her recognition. In fact, anybody that you feel de- deserves recognition for doing anything, if mm-hmm. it's a... If it's a guy that said yes, I can drive, and you said that well, there's the there's the wheelbarrow, uh, you know that line from Basic. Yeah. But uh, you know anybody that I'd love to have them on, mm-hmm. and uh, not only do we want, not only do we support the Georgia Military Hall of Fame, but we're s- going to be supporting the J.C. Johns Creek. Veterans Association and what they're doing with the healing wall and uh, you know and uh, we'll talk about this after the show but I'd love s- more of the stories mm-hmm. and I'd like to play some of the stories uh, as we go on during during the years to come mm-hmm. uh, and people you know it's my best friend and still is my be- uh, very close friend he and I were roommates before he went to Nam. When we were both at Texas Tech, and we were roommates when he came back from Vietnam. Uh, we were slow learners, and it, we still have <laughs> not. Anyway, um, when he came back, and uh, I, I saw the incredible change and what it had done to a, mm-hmm. uh, a big guy. Yeah. But, uh, you know, in that war, I still don't think Vietnam is understood um, at least people are respecting the the vets but i don't think the war i don't know that the war will
1: ever be understood yeah it's interesting um if you look at uh some of the historical footage from vietnam in the last days <clears throat> and there's a story and i don't know if this is 100 percent accurate but the story is is that the um Flotilla that was off the coast were ordered to pick up people, and they were sending helicopters in. And the ambassador was supposed to get on a plane and on one of the helicopters come out, and then he refused to do that. Uh, the story is that there was an order that came from Washington to the commander of the Flat Top to send armed escorts and make sure that the ambassador got on that last helicopter. Well, he did, but you'll see a little small, a small, a small boy get on the helicopter. A small boy's name is Man Bui. He's Vietnamese. I think his parents were either worked for the government or worked with the U.S. military forces. And so they had to evacuate as well. Man Bui today lives in Johns Creek. Hmm. And he has two sons one who just graduated from West Point, and the second one who's a sophomore at West Point. And uh, when we dedicated the park, Uh, He was there, and there was a contingent of of Vietnam soldiers that live in this community that were there. And there's a community of over 5,000 families right here in Metro Atlanta uh, that we are in close contact with now. Um, There's another one, the Korean monument. Uh, When the new consul general was coming to the United States, uh, he diverted his plane and came to Atlanta and came to our memorial presentation and uh, dedication for the the Korean plaza that's there. And uh, he gave us a check for $15,000, which is what one of the plazas cost. And he said, this is from a grateful nation. And I remember most of what he said, and I'll just put it sort of in context. He said, there's a lot of people in the world that don't know and don't appreciate the sacrifices made by the United States to keep the world as free as it possibly can. He said, but the people of South Korea do. And he says, and I guarantee you, speaking on behalf of the entire nation, we will never forget the sacrifices made by the American fighting man to save South Korea. And he had with him, he had 56 Korean War veterans that were here, uh, that were South Korean War veterans. And uh, it was an amazing thing to see in all those people here. They're very, very respectful and uh, very generous people.
0: You know, like I said, I, I we get political, but generally not on this show. But just what you've said, and I won't mention names, but they're running for office or think they're going to run for office of the highest position and we can't let people like that into that position we have to have leadership and leadership that's not scared to say America first oh, I totally agree and uh, I think that's every man, woman that has ever served is carrying whether it's a little bitty lapel pin flag or if it's A gigantic flag that every one of them is carrying it whether they're in a triage center or in the middle of a battlefield they may not have it displayed but they got it in their hands along with their weapon and it means more it's like i'm not a trained well i am a trained killer but I don't go out looking for somebody to kill, yeah. but I must say that when I see somebody destroying or mutilating or making fun of our flag I, I have thoughts that I wished I didn't have yeah. uh, and they don't know what their brother and sister has done and given for them to be able to even open their stupid mouths yeah. and uh so, I hope everybody that's listening will take that. And please, anybody that supports the, the wall in Johns Creek, Georgia, and wants recognition, I'll, be, I'll put them on the air in a, in a heartbeat. And uh, as I mentioned to you yesterday, we're the largest producing podcast radio station in the country. So, your name will be heard all over the world and the, the support for the wall, the support for the Hall of Fame, we want to recognize the people that do something for it. Absolutely,
1: yeah, we're uh, we're putting uh, uh, patron banners or, or or wall placards up on our plaza uh, at the at the wall, and uh, persons that contribute ten thousand dollars or more, their names or their associations or their company's names go up on those walls, and. Uh, I'm glad to say we've got to start a new new panel. That, that's the that's great fantastic. part. That's the great part. Um, but uh, we're talking about the costs. We think it's going to cost us about four hundred thousand dollars. That's the best estimate we've been able to come up with. Uh, and like I said, AVVBA, the Atlanta Vietnam Veterans Business Association, is doing about one hundred twenty-five thousand dollars of work in kind. Um, then we've actually have donations totaling another hundred hundred or so thousand dollars. Um, to be voted on this coming Monday, uh, the uh, Convention and Bureau uh, Visitors Bureau in Johns Creek uh, is committing an additional seventy thousand dollars. They put seventy-five thousand dollars into the pot the first year round, and now they're. I'm told they're going to. Uh, they put forward a, a recommendation that they put seventy thousand dollars more end of the pot so we still got a ways to go and if we come up with a little more than than we need for the wall then we'll build a uh, uh, contingency fund for replacements and maintenance uh, as much as we can plus it'll help us do some of the other outreach programs which is a pillar one of the three pillars of the the association is to reach out and do more in our communities michael i i
0: gotta ask and and uh i know when i was at a jc meeting um I know that you all have a color guard. Yes, and uh, your business is security. I was just thinking. Uh, I don't know if you could. Uh, I, well, I'm just asking. So take it from there. Uh, is is the wall going to have a 24-hour security, uh, like I'm I'm thinking of the the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier type thing? Uh, or will it just be for special occasions uh, like the grand opening and all this that they'll have the not just a color guard but uh, literally armed servicemen?
1: Well, we we've, we've discussed this with the, the with the city fathers, and we're of the opinion right now that we don't need security on the on the property itself. Um, there's a Johns Creek uh, police station substation that's less than a half a block away. Uh, They're across the street all the time at Fire Station 63, so they're in and around. They come in. The park closes at 10 o'clock at night, so it's not really going to be accessible 24-7. Now, that said, I know that just like when we had the wall here, there are going to be people that show up at 3 o'clock in the morning because that's when they want to be there because they want to be there by themselves. And that's going to happen, and we'll just have to see how it develops from there. Our color guard, they're doing a phenomenal job. Um, They probably have enough members now to form two complete color guards uh, we've been doing functions with Purple Heart Homes, uh, any number of different groups, they've been down under the Gold Dome, they went down to uh, present the colors when the uh, newest fleet of judges were uh, t- took their oaths here in the state of Georgia um, on Veterans Day and leading up to Veterans Day, they've got a half a dozen or more different schools that they're going to um, middle schools grammar schools and uh, some of the other schools and in some places uh, you know vets are getting invited to come to perimeter church they have a huge veterans day uh, event um, and you get a chance in, in some of these smaller schools they ask you to stay and go into the different classrooms and they'll take three or four veterans and you'll go into these classrooms and the kids get to ask you questions and they're pretty sharp i'm I'm really proud of the young people that i've run into they're pretty sharp because they don't ask you how many people you killed. they want to know what it's like to be in the military what what's it like what's it like to be away from your family for such a long time? All do you this. miss your kids does that, those, that ever those are change? the questions i don't think it ever changes well uh, yeah it does I mean uh, as you know, I have a son in
0: in uh, Germany and miss him dearly. But the electronics that we've got today, I think of, even when I was in in basic, uh, you know, I'd get a letter every couple of two or three weeks, and it was the time it took to get from Texas to California. You'd think it'd be overnight, but it wasn't. And uh, the thought of my dad being on a ship somewhere in the uh, Pacific and waiting, you know, three weeks four weeks five weeks to get a letter from my mother mm-hmm. and from friends in the states and yet today we can pick up a a telephone and and that's fantastic you see them they're okay and in the conversation sort of i've got to ask one other question back to the color guard yes and i could never qualify for it anyway but i'd have a what what uniform do these men wear? And uh, at this, well, something happened, uh, and I I lost all of my uniforms, but they had shrunk
1: considerably. <laughs> so yeah. I, I couldn't be in there anyway. Yeah. You'd be surprised. Um, they have a number of different shirts, uh, black or white. Uh, I think they may even have a, a dark navy blue And they have short sleeve and long sleeve They've got some jackets depending on the weather They wear a, a khaki trouser that's bloused And and jump boots and I got my Cochrane jump boots Yeah, well, mine wore out a long, long time ago That <laughs> yeah, was a crazy part of my career I volunteered for Airborne And I got my five basic jumps in And then for the next 15 years I couldn't get assigned to an Airborne unit To save my life <laughs> Always something else that came up with, Whatever the Army needed um, but the Color Guard has been doing a fantastic job. Like I said, they they've got so many um, events that are coming up towards Veterans Day, and then afterwards, uh, and they're available. and They've done stuff for the City of Alpharetta, City of Roswell, City of Johns Creek. So they've gotten their flags as well to put that into their uh, entourage when they uh, their formations when they get ready to do presentations. Do they, uh and they're all volunteers.
0: Everyone. Do they do funerals as well?
1: They are not. They have. I don't think they've done any funerals. Um, a lot of times for funerals, you, you can put in a request, and you can try to get the uh, the military units that will come and do some of those and do the funerals and stuff. I don't know. I don't think our guys are ready to to start take that on. But uh, they do a phenomenal job. And like I said, they're all volunteers, and they work their hearts out, uh, and they put everything they can into it. And somebody coming today, they were absolutely amazed. Said, "You a bunch of old guys, and you stayed in step." You know, so, <laughs> Still remember that when somebody counts cadence we still do it. And they
0: probably know some good Jodies from
1: the base. They probably do. Probably <laughs> do. Yeah, interesting that you talk about the color guard. My my first assignment, I'll give this story. <clears throat> when I came out of OCS and being a Georgia boy, I wanted to go anywhere in the world but Georgia. So where did they send me? Georgia. Fort McPherson, Georgia. <laughs> you know? So I report into the MP company and uh, there's a Sergeant E five. That's the admin NCO that checks me in, and his name is Mike Roby, our current commissioner of Veterans Affairs was a sergeant e-5 in the 525th mp company and i reported in as a second lieutenant he in processes me and says now get downstairs to supply you're the platoon leader of the second platoon and the and the honor guard for force Com, and you've got a ceremony on friday so i go down there and get a manual of arms for for a, a saber and uh, learn how to carry a saber and then his last comment was says you're marching and you're doing your professional steps and really making it show, he says, don't stick it in the ground. <laughs> and if you do, leave it. Uh, and so uh, they've had that happen to them. But, yeah, that was a great part of my first first stint in the military in, in the MP company was uh, being a platoon leader for the Force Comm Honor Guard. When were you at Mac? The first time uh, was 74, 74 to 77. I was the uh, in the Provo Marshal's office. I was the... Uh, um vehicle registrar for a I, while I and, then a out, and then I moved out and moved out to Gillum and became the deputy provost marshal for the for the Fort Gillum property. Do
0: to know a Captain Stevens? Young
1: Yeah, young I, 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 there was a Captain Stevens. It was uh, the MP company commander for a while, as a matter of fact. Um
0: real tall lanky guy? No. No. No, th- this was I wouldn't say short as me, but uh not real tall. No, it's a different guy than because this guy was over six feet. Oh no, no. Yeah, this guy was maybe six feet at best, but um, I can't even think of his first name. But he was uh, his father had been my photographer for years, and his photographer or his father was uh, um, artillery in Vietnam mm-hmm. and an officer, and uh, but I I can't think of. Uh, son's name. Anyway, back to what we're doing here, or supposed to be doing here. Um, One uh, one time again, I want to mention the fact that uh, we are supporting, and they are supporting us, and that's the uh, Georgia Military Hall of Fame, and my you know, I told told Rick White one time, we were talking on the phone, and I said, you know, I'm standing up saluting you, and I've never done this before, but uh, you know, he just brought... You know, and and it's like when I was in, and things have changed so much, but I would never call you Colonel. It was Sir. End of story. Mm-hmm. And um, a lot of folks don't understand that, and I get very irritated when I'm watching um, something on television, and and it's a general or whoever, and the people don't understand the respect that a non-com has. For, and even an officer has for another officer and the fact that you call him sir you don't call or madam
1: or, or ma'am um, and I tell and you that was a two way street too because first lieutenants would be lost without their platoon sergeants those senior NCOs, they just say. I remember mine telling me on one occasion, she "says Sir, just do what I tell you to, and we're going to be okay." So uh, they they play a big big role in in the life of the military too, because it's just just so different. People just like you say, people don't realize how different it is. And even though we have a lot of the same things on military bases and installations all over the world, the whole focus is different. Uh, families are much much tighter. They learn to depend on one another the soldier is gone, whether it's a man or a woman that's gone and the other spouse is there to take care of the family and that, that in itself over time is what creates some of the issues like we were talking a little bit earlier that, that create the, the depression or the, um, the PTSD or, or those type of symptoms that come back in because that remaining spouse has to do so much to, to maintain the family, you know and then the guy comes home and he's like oh you can do this without me You know, uh, so what am I supposed to do? Kind of thing. And that can cause problems too. It can cause problems. It can cause marital problems. It can cause those other issues. During um,
0: Desert Storm and Desert Shield, um, one of the first times, I guess, in our country's history, the number of reservists that were called up to go on active duty. And, um, you know, as you were, as, as a soldier or military active duty, you have one kind of living with your wife and so forth and so on. But as a reservist, when you're called up, the wife and the children and everybody else, there's a totally different reaction. And I've, I've never begged anything. But during those, between Desert Storm and Desert Shield, when I was on the radio, the one thing that, and I, I came as close to begging as I could, was explaining that if your neighbor is a reservist and he's been called up, please offer to help the ones behind. Mow the yard, offer to put in the light bulbs, whatever he or she was doing, offer to take up the slack. Because it's different; it's just a totally different thing. If uh, if the man hadn't been on active duty before and, and left his wife, for, and it turned out to be extended periods of time, yeah. And uh, I, I guess that's where, again, I would beg <laughs> the public to appreciate the
1: people that wear the uniform it's just, and the, the, the whole scope of war fighting has now changed so much I remember when I got out in 94 um, there was a downsizing of, of military police assets in Europe and the only unit that had an active role active wartime mission was decommissioned and mothballed uh, and the the plan at that point was for reserve units from the United States to take on those roles well, then you look at the deployment time and how long it's going to take to get those up, ready, trained, deployed, <laughs> an event could be over. Uh, but uh, you know I've been out long enough now that I really don't know a whole lot about how they, how they fight wars and what they do. I just see what everybody else sees on the TV. but uh, it goes deep into my heart. I'm trying to uh, uh, I'm trying to move my security company into a position where my two sons can take it over. Uh, because I've gotten involved with a, a group that focuses on PTSD issues for veterans and also for non-veterans, uh, for uh, first responders, if you will. Uh, because this gentleman out in Texas, Mr. Gene Birdwell, started a Birdwell Foundation for PTSD, and the slogan is, No One Heals Alone. <clears throat> in three and a half years, they've spread to eight states. They're about to open up a new uh, groups in north carolina and virginia they're averaging reaching out to 1800 military veterans a month that are suicidal or have other types of problems and issues that they just can't seem to get help with and they're totally depressed and uh, this gentleman is doing this all through donations out of his own pocket um he's quite a gentleman he's a, he's a, a veteran himself
0: and we're going to have him on, right?
1: Uh, I would hope to get him here sometime. He's out in Texas, so we'd have to coordinate his schedule. But he would be a phenomenal individual for you to talk to. Well, now, I'm it, a Texan, so and, uh, I'm here. Yeah, he's an he's an Aggie. You
0: well, said you went to Texas you know, Tech. Okay. <laughs> Yes, I went yeah. to Texas Tech, but I think I mentioned my son was in the Corps at A and M. Yeah,
1: and so so uh, he's a, he's a phenomenal guy. Got a great, great great thing going, and we're trying to develop sponsorships and and uh, donors in this group so we can continue to do that. There's another gentleman I would love to have you talk to. His name is Roger Marshall. Roger is a he's a result of the uh, foundation itself. He suffered from PTSD. As a matter of fact, he was suicidal. suicidal. And uh, if you listen to his story, he was sitting in a chair on his second-story balcony about to kill himself and happened to hear on the radio an advertisement about this Birdwell Foundation for PTSD. So he called, and that literally saved his life. He's now learned coping mechanisms, he has a service dog, but he is now the national director, executive director uh, with, with for operations in those states. He's building organizations and groups like crazy. He's a, a, a wounded warrior himself, and he's trying to find other warrior types that can come on board and, and head up some of these small uh, groups um, that gives them the training. It gives them a sense of purpose. It gets, helps get them back on track. We find the different types of uh, assets uh, that they're needed so that we can get these people the help that they need and try to get them back on uh, square ground. So you know, in the first 10 months he was in Georgia, he personally went and found... Twenty-seven veterans who were potential suicide victims. He built relationships with local police departments and and others and they would call him and he would go. And he would be being a combat veteran himself talk to that veteran and he's talked to a couple people out of their homes. He's found them under bridges. He's gone to other locations. And it doesn't matter whether it's 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning. He gets those calls. He goes. His is a marvelous marvelous story. He'd love to get that gentleman on this program and let him talk about the foundation and what they're doing. You know the thing that a lot of folks don't understand
0: and i would include wives with this is that i and maybe i'm wrong i'm not a psychiatrist i'm not a psychologist i'm nothing but a poor boy from texas but uh, a lot of people don't understand what these men and and women have gone through and they come back and and they and a finger's pointed at them well do you have ptsd You know, and people don't realize that PTSD can come as soon as you get off the boat, as soon as you get off the plane, or ten years later. True. And you may show no signs of it at all for the first year, the second year, the tenth year, whatever, and then all of a sudden something flashes back to your best friend getting killed or this or that
1: or whatever it is and and you're right in the middle of a, of PTSD. Like You've heard people say so many times before, the brain and your eyes are miraculous gifts from God, and once you see it, you can't unsee it. That's right. And that's how that's well right. you're able to cope with it going forward. Um, back in the day, I can remember, because I just had my 70th birthday, as a young man growing up, I was the oldest of five boys, and it was always, you know, Put on your big boy panties and deal with it, kind of thing. Don't don't snicker, don't cry. Uh, you know, deal with it, and uh, you do that by burying it deep. And some of us are a lot better at burying it really, really deep, so it doesn't creep up. But on an occasion, um, so um, well, they some, also, of us, some of us don't have those coping skills, and those are the ones that need the most help. You know, but right up front, it's like Johns Creek, your organization. Um,
0: you cope with it in many, many ways or many times by the people that you associate with. Absolutely. Uh, again, I look at what I did is I, I, and like I said, my best friend was in Nam, and yet I can't, I can't relate to what he went through, what he saw, and uh, my uh, drill sergeant, uh, made some things fairly clear and, and uh, you know,
1: unimaginable that a human could do this to another human. Well, that's why um, I would like to encourage more and more of the veterans, particularly those that are in here in the North Fulton area, um, join some of these organizations. It's amazing what a once- or twice-a-month get-together can do because you're going to be around other veterans who have some of the same issues. You know, And that might be your way of now coping with it that you've been handling it by yourself. Uh, I was made aware of the 2012 census that was done in North Fulton, in the five cities in North Fulton. In 2012, they, they identified over 15,000 military veterans in our communities. 15,000. That was 2012. And I know there are new ones coming in all the time because I've met a number of them over the last few years. I can't imagine what the 2020 census is going to show. But if we were just to get... 200 300 500 of those veterans involved in doing things could you i can only begin to imagine what our communities would be like because uh, those veterans are just so dedicated to get and they're just kind of the roll up the sleeves and get it done kind of guys you know what do you need me to do thing
0: you know the one thing i was amazed at when i when i visited with you all was that gee nobody at my table had any stories to relate (laughs) In fact, it was more like, shut up so he can tell his story. Now, yeah. <laughs> is, I mean, have you ever met a veteran that didn't have a story to
1: tell? No. And uh, it's interesting you say that. We have, a, we have a history program where any veteran that wants to tell a story, we will record it, uh, professionally record it. How cool. And then we send a copy of that to the National Archives, and then we give the family a copy of it as well. Because a lot of times grandpa or pops don't want to talk about what he did uh, because in most cases, you just figure you just wouldn't understand, you know. And I don't want to get in great detail about why I did that. Well, I did it because I was a soldier, and that's what I was told to do. Um, and uh, but we we've been doing those. We've been doing a number of them, trying to get all of our World War II vets and uh, Korean vets done because we're unfortunately really? losing them so fast. I'll give you a quick story. John Tempe was one of our Navy veterans, just recently passed away at ninety four. And in World War II, John was on a destroyer in the Pacific. He was part of a, a flat top carrier group. And the carrier took, well, they were 60 miles off the Japanese coast. The flat top took a bunch of kamikaze 500 pounders straight down and uh, it blew up the uh, munitions magazine. And I think the story was that about 800 of the 1,200 men on that ship died that day. Well, they kept thinking it was going to sink. So they had this destroyer come up alongside and buoy it, and then they limped it from 60 miles off the coast of Japan all the way back to New York Harbor. And that flattop was rebuilt, and I think it was two and a half to three years after the war ended, it was put back in service. The munitions officer on that flattop and John Tempe, who was on the destroyer, met for the first time at the Johns Creek Veteran Association and the Lieutenant that was on the flat top had just celebrated his 100th birthday. Wow. But we just lost John Tempe this past year. The 100-year-old gentleman is still doing just just great. So, you know, there's few of those guys out there and we need to love them and we need to thank them for their service, all that they did, the sacrifices they made, their families as well. But uh, let me encourage the veterans, if you're out there, join a veterans group. Come join us at Johns Creek Veterans Association. Let's see what we can do to make our communities better.
0: And Michael will give you a 8 by 10 black and white glossy sign. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, I, you know, it, uh, well, I'm going to give you a check before you leave, as Thank a matter you, sir. of fact. That's, That's uh, wonderful. You know, I... Uh, it just uh we have a conflict on on wednesday nights but we can we can work that out some way or the other but it's um veterans wow i i look at some of our quote-unquote millennials today and uh i just i had one working here that i had to relieve him of duty um and i think oh my god if we went to war today and we had to look to them i'm not sure what we'd do but with that being said and i have no i was at the end of the draft and at the beginning of the lottery and and volunteered but if i don't know what i i haven't got the right saying but the military will make a man out of you or
1: something like that uh-huh. and, it, it, was it? They say they literally make a man out of you and kill you. One, you know. But uh, no, I, I, I'm. Uh, I think I'm sometimes overly positive. I, I believe in the goodness of of all people uh, until they prove me wrong. You know. Um, but I like to see and like to think that uh, from the heartlands and from the the many different states, there are a lot of people out there in the country and and. Uh, Country folks and well, You know, a lot of people like that go into the military. A lot of people say it's, oh, it's it's disad it's a disadvantage because so many low-income people or whatever do go into it. A lot of them go into it. looking as a way up and a way out and uh, looking for a better life. And they go into the military and they they decide they want to become a mechanic or an airplane mechanic or, uh, or or a, a data processor or something else like that. And they get some fantastic training and then they come out and decide to come out before they retire or whatever, and uh, they go into their communities, and they become great parts of those communities. Our objective is to make sure that we tell all of those vets, you're as much a veteran as a guy that served 22 years or a guy who went into combat. Now, yes, we revere the combat soldier for what they do, their sacrifices that they make, and uh, it's our job to take care of them after that, and that's what I'm looking for the communities to do to do more, to take care of your veterans in your communities, to do more, to engage them in your communities. They've got a tremendous skill set and uh, things to offer.
0: Okay, we've got a few minutes left. I want, If you wouldn't mind, tell us about your business. And um, who needs your business? Yeah.
1: Uh, well, I started um, – I got on board with a with a, a guy that started a security company, and he had no clients and no employees. And he, he gave me 51% of the business, which was 51% of nothing. Uh, and over the next couple of years, we built Millennium Security. Uh, I had made some connections, my, interesting enough, my first job when I came out of the military in 1994 was to go to work for ACOG, the Atlanta Committee for the Olympic Games. Uh, in one of my tours in my secondary area, I, I was sign, assigned to Georgia Tech. So I knew a lot of the people at Georgia Tech, and uh, they hired me as a sixth person in the security group. And I was actually the venue security director for the Olympic Village for the 96 Olympics here at Atlanta. Uh, a lot of connections that were made through there led to some other jobs. But over time, I just got frustrated with the with big industry, the way they treated their own people, and the way they treated their clients, and uh, thought there had to be a better way. So I got involved, and, and we, we pushed Millennium uh, using my Rolodex from the Olympics contacts. And uh, we built Millennium, eventually got into doing some federal contracts as well. Uh, would love to get back into doing that. But by and large, we provide unarmed and armed security guards for commercial, state, and, and federal type contracts. So if you're a gated community or you're an office park and you've got a reception desk or something like that, uh, then we make a special effort to hire military veterans first. And I've always told my sons, that's the most important thing you can do for me on a given day is if you have a job opening, let's see if we can't find a, a veteran first to fill it. And for 10 years with the Department of Labor, uh, I had one representative, he was a Navy submariner, Mike Kotler. Uh, He's a member of our JCVA group. Um, He was my direct point of contact, Department of Labor, and I used to call him and give him the parameters in bingo. He he came up with veterans left and right. As a result of that, uh, he nominated me through the American Legion program for uh, consideration as a Small Business Veteran Employer of the Year. And over that 10-year period, six times the American Legion in Georgia chose my company as a Small Business Veteran Employer of the Year, which then throws you into the pot on the national level. And four of those 10 years, four of those six that we were selected, uh, we were selected as the National Small Business Veteran Employer of the Year. I've been as high as 75%. We're probably always at about 50 to 52, 55% of my employees being veterans. And we rotate them in and out. We try to network them and all the things that we do with the different veterans groups, uh, giving them opportunities, knowing that some of them may not stay as long as we might like but then there's others who come in and say look i've been in that rat race all i want to do is earn enough money to pay for my 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 green fees and it'll get me out of the house a little more so mama's not yelling at me so, um, so i'm it, 200 it can, foot.
0: when you say veteran it doesn't have to be current veteran it can be no, a veteran it, from 10 years ago one 20 of the, years one of ago? the
1: greatest I, greatest employees i ever had was uh was a uh, was a korean war veteran And John Tempe, who was 94, worked for me when he was 88, because he told me, he said, I can't sleep at night. I just read my Bible. So have you got something that I can do at night? So I had an office building that had an internal fire guard, and all he was supposed to do was make rounds once every two hours. A funny story with John, he called me one night after he'd been at work for two days, and I'm just so worried, am I going to have to call an ambulance for this guy? I said, Johnny, are you all right? He says, Oh yeah, yeah, I'm all right. He said, I got a question for you. I said, Yes. He said, I know that the policy is that I only get up and walk around every two hours. But is it okay if I do it every hour? I said, Sure, John. Why do you do? he says he said, My legs and my backside goes to sleep if I sit for two hours. I need to get up and walk more. So, you know, he worked for me for almost about eight, nine months before he decided to give it up. But uh There's a lot that veterans have to offer, and then we try to take that skill set and then try to help them develop resumes, help them network with all the different associations that we're we're part of. But Millennium has been around now. I just had my 22nd anniversary on October the 23rd. Congratulations. Uh, All three of my sons have worked for me at one time. The oldest and youngest ones still do. Um and uh we 're just you know we 're still out there looking looking for opportunities in, in office buildings, office parks, gated communities uh special events, and those kinds of things and i uh, 'll throw out that I would that. love a veteran
0: to come in here and
1: work uh doing the
0: board and stuff if they wanted to learn the radio business so that 's um, a great possibility we 'll put that word out if you hear one that wants to come in be an intern for a while or whatever, and
1: see where we go uh I'll gladly do that. Great. Gladly Great. do that. But, uh, yeah, Millennium, like I said, has been around for 22 years now, and uh, our focus is to provide the best service that anybody could possibly hope for.
0: What, uh, the folks that are listening, how would you describe your clients or who, you know, is it buildings or is it uh, well, office parks
1: or is it a, for, a, a con, for 18, a home yeah, for, for 18 years. We were the security for the Coca Cola data center here in Metro Atlanta. It's recently been sold to a new group, and we're now, uh, we've stayed on with the new group, INAP, Coca Cola being the largest uh, client in the building. But uh, we've done data centers, we've done gated communities. Uh, we've done high-rise buildings office buildings uh, office parks uh, we've put guards part-time scenarios in the summer for people that needed to guard their swimming pools because of the the, the kids in the neighborhood that get in there at night or, or do whatever uh, those different types of things that are that are customers and clients then on the on the federal side uh, third Army headquarters I transitioned them and moved them to South Carolina
0: Michael Moselle I want to thank you for coming in today and uh, thank you for. Your service both in and out of the military, and your service to Johns Creek and what you're doing out there. And we're going to stay very close in touch and look forward to having you back on soon. Thank so, you thank so you much for coming in. My pleasure.
1: You're listening to
0: America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.